0: mobile radio Let's get along in a better place Pick up a bird travel through time and
1: space So much to learn so much to see
0: A plan to escape reality open your mind Fresh new sun. MJ Network will bring you there. So let's talk about it. Well life and dark. Hi everyone, this is Fran Lewis. This is MJ Network. MJ in memory of my sister Marsha Joyce. And today is a very special day. Happy birthday, Robbie! You are my special nephew, and you're 10 double digits, bright, smart, and an athlete, and so much more. I am so proud of you, and you're in the fourth grade, and of course, you're on top of the class, all A's. That, what else would I expect? I hope your day is filled with fun presents and hugs galore. love your favorite aunt, who's cool and pretty. And now, we are ready for the important part of this show. Dr. Josh Kabuto is here and we're going to talk about how do you assess children that have learning disabilities in reading. Many reading specialists and classroom teachers need to know all the areas that need to be assessed before coming up with a proper assessment of a child's disabilities. What I've been finding and listening to people, because guess who did research, um, a lot of them just automatically assume and then label the child and they're wrong. They don't know. So how do you come up with your assessment and what battery of tests do you use or other methods to help you determine the needs of the students and how many areas do you do? And I have the chart in front of me. So good morning.
1: Good morning, Fran. Good morning. Let me add my uh, congratulations and happy birthday to your uh, nephew, uh, Robbie. I hope he has a great day. Uh, That's wonderful. And let me, by the way, let me thank you. I would be remiss if I didn't uh, thank you because uh, you do so many wonderful interviews with uh, best-selling authors. And uh, I've written some books, but they're, not uh, they're, of course, nonfiction books. But um, well, when you interview your best-selling authors, you talk about product, product of the book that they wrote or books. And when mm-hmm. you talk to me, you talk about process, the process of reading. And, and so few interviewers do that. So it would be remiss if I didn't uh, give you kudos for that and to
0: say thank you. Thank you. (laughs) You're quite welcome. For those that don't know, my my new book came out last week. It's Faces Behind the Stones, Accusations, and it talks about people that are wrongly accused, and they talk from behind the gravestone.
1: That sounds wonderful. Would you tell me the title again?
0: His title is "Spaces Behind the Stone: Accusations." Some of the people are wrongly accused. Some have voices that are silent, and some deserve what they got. What can I uh, say? Sounds, <laughs> sounds
1: sounds sounds like I should put it on my to, to read the list, my friend. Uh, thank you so much. Okay, now uh, to get to the uh, question you most certainly you, uh, you asked. Um, mm-hmm. Clearly, clearly, there are very specific areas that uh, parents, teachers, administrators, should be cognizant of uh, in order to help students read, in order, in order to mm-hmm. help you or myself with our physical problems, God forbid, but we all have them, uh, the doctor has to first find out what's causing them, yes? And mm-hmm. uh, similarly, if w- without an appropriate, and uh, we used to call this diagnostic evaluation, But I've stopped using that term because I I think we have medicalized education too much. So Mm -hmm. I I, I refer to it as a a literacy assessment. Now, in terms of um, specific areas, let me just go down a quick list and then we can Mm -hmm. talk about them. Of course, in literacy assessment, one of the things you talk about is decoding. Decoding is can the youngster figure out the words on the page. Decoding is also referred to as word recognition word analysis, uh, word attack, those terms are all synonymous. I happen to like decoding. I think it's perfectly appropriate. And if you were to watch someone sign on TV, uh, if, you, if you were to watch a, uh, a Brailleist, a youngster, an adult reading braille, what they're doing is they're decoding. They're breaking the code. Okay, so that's number one. By the way, I say number one, not because that's the most important. I think the second one I'm going to talk about is the most important, which is mm-hmm. comprehension. However, mm-hmm. if you can't decode the print, you're in big trouble. Okay? So you have decoding. Then you have reading comprehension. Then you also have uh, basically two uh, important adjuncts to reading comprehension. You have world knowledge, background knowledge, and which is – also called cognition. Okay. Then you also have uh, an adjunct to that, a receptive vocabulary. uh, And when I say background knowledge, I'm talking about everything the youngster knows about this big wide world of ours in all areas. It's it's also called schemata just for your listening audience because their teachers might be talking about that or the teachers listening know that term probably. So you have schemata. Then you have schema, which is topic-specific background knowledge. So if we're talking about uh, electronics, uh, how much do I know about electronics? Not very much. So I have a poor
0: electronic Mm
1: -hmm. schema. But I'd like to think I have a pretty varied schemata, meaning I know a a, a good amount about many things. Not not an awful lot, but I know a reasonable amount. So my schemata Mm -hmm. is pretty deep, pretty wide, and my electronic schema is very narrow. Okay, then we have receptive vocabulary, which usually is talked about as the vocabulary. But we have two. We have receptive and expressive. The one that is germane to reading is receptive, which is a storehouse of words of which the reader has in his or her head. So we have receptive vocab. Then we have listening comprehension. And I think that's uh, basically is self-explanatory. What happens when the teacher is reading to the youngster? What happens when the parent is reading to the youngster? And quite honestly, what happens when the teacher and or parent and or friend are, are simply talking to the youngster? We, the, the, all of that is involved with uh, listening comprehension. And the last two, Fran, uh, in my, my model, uh, my simple reading assessment model, uh, the last two basically surround the whole model. One is the affective domain. And the Mm -hmm. affective domain is the youngster's... um, Let's put it this way. It's the youngster's uh, values, motivation, attitudes, feelings, uh, uh, stereotypes. Um, The affective domain is one of the touchy-feely aspects of, uh, of everything in life. However, the affective domain surround everything inside that we talked about that i talked about first because if the youngster could really if he's not too crazy about even learning for whatever reason if he's unmotivated all the rest becomes moot yeah so the yep. affective domain is critically important and and lastly we have the cognitive domain and the first five, four or five things i talked about have to, have to do with knowing and that's in the cognitive domain so all of those things make up uh the the reading process and in my view friend uh, it's wonderful if parents are somewhat cognizant of these things they're familiar with the terms so when teachers talk to them in teacher talk they 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 know what what's going on and and secondly it's critically critically important that teachers not only know have a knowledge of these these areas that I talked about but i I really feel as a uh, uh, professor for thirty five years that that teachers should have an in depth understanding of each of these areas.
0: The problem is they don't. And that's no, what's I, really, right. really I I was talking to somebody yesterday and of course I did, you know, some research with my school and they have all of these coaches and stuff, reading coaches and math and stuff. I said, What exactly do they do? Do they come in and do a proper reading assessment, a reading lesson? What happens to the children that are falling behind? And they just said they support. I said, what does that mean? They push in. I said, what does that mean? Do they do a lesson? Do they have a specific goal? They couldn't even answer that question. And I said, exactly. when, you, I said when you teach reading, do you, do you ask questions that are on the surface or do you actually ask questions that can help this child understand what the author is saying? They, some of them just read the story and answer questions. They don't even go right. deep into it. They don't do word recognition, and I'm finding that when I did reading, and I had to test children when they came into the school, I think the most heartbreaking thing was when the principal said, um, "This child comes from a, another country. Uh, see if he can be in the right grade, or do you want to leave him back a grade?" I said, "Why don't? Yeah, I said, why don't you, yeah, so why don't you oh. let me see what I find?" It was right. very rare that that I had to do that, but I did yeah. reading i did you know like you were said, word recognition, but I didn't do just one battery, I did, did two, then comprehension, right. and most people don't do listening comprehension. they don't get the higher level of what a child knows, and then right. I would ask questions. it's sad it really is very sad
1: because yeah. basically
0: yeah. they're not trained like like we are. Well, like I was trained, yeah. You can tell that. Hey, well, you know,
1: Fred, <laughs> we, we, way back when, uh, and I'm going to date both of us. I believe it was 1982.
0: Uh, you were
1: sitting in a classroom at Lehman College. Uh, yep, right, I was. Right at and bushy-tailed, and uh, uh, without sounding uh, patronizing, one of the, what, I could tell after the first class that you were going to be one of my one of my stars. And I was mm-hmm. uh, I was uh, a, a, rec- a recently minted uh, PhD in in reading. At the time, now they, they refer to it as with a broader term, which is really more appropriate, literacy. And mm-hmm. uh, we we both had a very, I think, interesting experience. But, you know, um, I, it was just last week that I had a – and I've had several of these uh, uh, re- reconnections with my former students, and that's oh, wonderful. Nice. <laughs> yeah. But last week I actually had lunch with one of my uh, graduate students from – oh, I I'm thinking maybe 20 years ago – and I won't name the college or the university, but she's the, the head of the graduate program at this little university in New York. And mm-hmm. I, I, she called me, and we got together for lunch, and we were chatting. And uh, I was one, – one thing I was really – I'm going to use the word appalled at which is she told me the number of students they have enrolled in their graduate program in reading. Mm-hmm. And I said, don't, don't tell me. I said, I'll guess because I have a sense you, you probably inherited a few of ours that I, at the place where I taught. I said, mm, 300, 400? She said, Dr. Cabuto, I said, you have to call me George. Yeah, all right, George, she said, we have 37. 37 oh, students in the master's degree in literacy at our institution. And I said, why? Now this is a, this I think this is really important for you to hear and for your audience to hear. And by the way, hello Libby's listening audience. I hope we have parents and teachers listening. Uh because I I hope when I, I'd like to think that when friend and I have these sessions that she's been uh, gracious enough to invite me to their substantive. Uh but um, I'll let me just use her first name. Patty We hired a new director of our entire child study program and um, she's she's very she's a special ed person and um she's, she discourages our students from going into the masters and reading program. She oh, discourages God. them because she discourages them because he tells them now there aren't any jobs for reading teachers around. Go into special ed there are loads of jobs. Here's the sad that, part, Fran. It, it's really the,
0: sad. And you know what the fun part funny yeah. part is when I went to register for um the program, it was originally of uh, special ed, and my school wanted me to go for a resource room. So I went uh-huh. over to the line for resource room, but it was, it was too long. <laughs> so <laughs> Dr. Doctor Sledge bumped into me, and she said, why don't you try the reading program? And I looked uh-huh. at her, and I said, you know what? Best thing I ever did. But it was really, uh-huh. they work you to the bone there. Trust me.
1: Oh. But I it. Well, Friend, when Doctor Sledge, Andre, uh, Andre Sledge, right? When Andre yeah. interviewed me for the for the adjunct, I was an adjunct uh, person. I lived in Long, I lived in Long Island. The the Lumen College was in Bronx, New York, and I was only going yep. in once a week after, after my reading specialist uh, position. But sorry, I, I was thrilled. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. The, the date that was the most intensive interview I've ever had for a, for a job. She really, really asked superb questions, and she mm-hmm. didn't ask so silly things that sometimes I ask that are really not uh, on on target at all. She has critically important aspects of the reading process. She wanted to make sure that the professor teaching her graduate students in reading really knew reading inside out. So I, I don't drop, and I'm, I'm quite certain. That you, uh, you received a, a wonderful program Your master's degree is worth, uh, worth a million
0: All I can tell you is that If you weren't an A Like myself, A plus Or an A minus student They asked you to leave the program They would not yep. tolerate anyone That was not up to their standards Her or Dr. Delisle or anything They did right. not I was like, holy God And then when it came to writing your thesis that was tough because they put you in front of all of your friends and all the all your st- fellow students and I was first. And I looked at them <laughs> and I, and one of them really, she was evil and she said, Um, you know, I'm gonna ask you questions and be my guest but don't don't worry about it, I'll get you back. Not a problem. Yeah. They tried all yeah. oh, they did, yeah. they tried to, they try to put you on the spot to ask you questions that have nothing to do and you can't have the paper in front of you. Index cards. Yeah. Little index cards. Yeah. I was, I'll tell you, I, I learned a lot, and it was it was definitely worth it. And then years yeah. later, I went for a master's in administration and supervision, and that totally was not worth it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah.
1: Well, the, you so, know, I I really I really think we're going to move on to uh, the things that uh, the two of us have planned for today. We have a lot planned for today. Yeah, I have always... it in front of me. Okay. And um, but uh, but I do want to say that I, I just want to make this pitch uh, that The parents don't realize I don't think that uh, yeah. school administrators uh, the principal of an elementary school the principal of a high school typically they have two maybe two courses in reading under their belts six mm-hmm. credits and and anyone that reads they the reading. The Journal of Reading, The Journal of uh, 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 the Reading Teacher, both publications of the International uh, uh, Literacy Association, will, it will have many articles about the principal should be the driving force behind the school reading program. They can't be the driving force behind it if, if they don't have the knowledge base. So, that's something that really, really must change. Okay, so that's my, my speech for the moment. Okay, so shall we move on to the uh, specifics here?
0: Well, I have your questions in front of me. And okay. you have Alex. You said third grade. And you want to tell uh-huh. everybody about him. And then I was very brave. I went on your list three times, <laughs> hoping I got all of them. Plus, okay. I have a whole bunch of other stuff in front of me. So I hope I got I wrote this out so that I wouldn't mess up. But you, you tell us about Alex and how you figured out what, you know, his problem was and then I'll tell you some of the areas that I think that he might need help in. I hope.
1: Exactly. Okay. So basically um friend, my, my book uh, is entitled how, how to Think Like a Reading Specialist. I, I actually, I, uh, I was inspired to call it that by uh, uh, a fellow who wrote uh, How Doctors Think. Uh, his name was Dr. Jerome Kr- uh, Groupman. And I read that book maybe 10 years ago, and I thought, my, this is brilliant. And Dr. Groupman basically said, wait, when someone walks into his office, within five minutes he's already just important. He didn't first take out his desk and go look at his computer. He looked at the person, talked with the person, and he said within five minutes, he can rule out X Y A B C D E things that he knew the person didn't have, you see, know, which mm-hmm. is wonderful. In other words, the brain makes uh, the brain can make predictions based upon what it sees if it has an in-depth scheme, and doctors have an in-depth medical scheme, obviously. So I, I borrowed his idea. I I, I, thought, I I think that's how we learn, by, by taking really good things and adopting them. And I, 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 I uh, made a, uh, well, I had this reading model already in place, but um, my idea was to, if you know one thing about a youngster's reading, can you make predictions? So, Alex. Alex is in third grade, and he has significant difficulty in decoding. And we say decoding accuracy because there's two parts of decoding. Decoding accuracy can Alex read the word, and decoding automaticity, which means how quickly can he read okay? Now, it's, it's possible to have well, let me not, that'll go on too long. Okay, let me say so Alex has a uh, significant difficulty in decoding accuracy. Now, let me okay. make the predictions I can, I can make several predictions just based upon that, friend, that'll take your questions, okay? Based simply upon that, if you see he, he's sitting in my classroom and I see he's in third grade I happen to ask the kids to do a little out loud reading uh, just for mm-hmm. assessment reasons and I see that Alex has a enormous difficulty reading the words number one I get him off the hook quickly because I don't want to embarrass him too much that's ridiculous okay mm-hmm. uh, but, but I know if he has if he has a, a dif- difficult time decoding accuracy there's no way he's going to be an automatic decoder that would be oxymoronic. That would be a contradiction. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 and on my model, I put a minus right there. Now, what does that tell me about his reading comprehension? Does that tell me anything about his reading comprehension? Absolutely. I already mm-hmm. know just from that one three-minute reading that Alex is going to be in big trouble reading a third-grade textbook. Okay? Reading anything, quite honestly. Uh, because anything at the third grade level, I, I would have to assess exactly where his decoding was, but he's going to have difficulty comprehending it, just like I would have difficulty comprehending Braille text, because I can't decode it, okay? The second thing, uh, I'm sorry, so that that's one absolute conclusion I could draw based upon knowing he's a, a very poor decoder. What I don't know yet, quite honestly, I don't know anything about his background knowledge. I don't know anything Mm -hmm. about his vocabulary. I don't know anything about his listening comprehension. But those are the things now I have to find out about as a teacher. That that I agree. Yes. And and decoding accuracy and you you had asked me to uh, include some assessments. There there are loads of tests around where you can sit down with the youngster on a one-to-one basis and there's a qualitative reading inventory, these lesson uh, uh, yeah. word recognition tests, and the graded list of words. You sit down with the youngster, you read down the list, and you get a grade level in decoding, okay? So, <coughs> pardon me, to come up with a decoding uh, score is very easy. What you don't want to do is use a pencil and paper test. Where he colors them little number, little uh mm-hmm. you know they, 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 because he, he, I have no idea if he could I had students who scored fine on that and they couldn't read a word they just colored in B all the time you know so um uh, okay. so uh, that that's that's one assessment for de- oh, sorry there are several assessments to uh, find out about decoding however probably the best one friend as we both know is just listening to the youngster read aloud. Get a little sample of this uh, reading mm-hmm. aloud, and you can tell if he's decoding on grade level if you want. And then you really need to know kind of specifically, not 3.2.5 or 2.8, but okay, mm-hmm. is he a
0: second grade decoder?
1: Is he a first grade decoder? Okay, questions about
0: that? Comments? Yeah, I I, I agree with you. Um, somebody like that, and trust me, I had sixth graders like that. I had seventh graders like that. And I mm-hmm. had children coming in, and they didn't want to read. And I sure. didn't want to embarrass them. So I would find um, they would go into a group with where they could read on an independent level, where they felt mm-hmm. that they had some kind of confidence. And then they, there was never a problem. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't label, they never labeled a reading group top, middle, or bottom. I just said, number one, you know, you're this, give it a child's name or a color or something like that. Um but when they would read on independent level it was it was fine um the also fluency concerns, oral reading with and like you said, prior knowledge and word recognition, and a lot of reading a lot of regular uh, teachers don't understand it so somebody yeah. like Alex, who probably was just Mistaught or needed to learn how to read fluently, unfortunately might have been labeled learning disabled and put in special ed yes yes and, and, and that, that and that, that's, that's that's what frightens me.
1: Yeah, that, that's what happens, friend. I, I know I've, on one of your previous uh, uh, shows uh, uh, where you inter- where we did an interview together, um, you interviewed me. To be more specific, uh, I, mm-hmm. I I give the statistic that in 1986 there were 750 thousand children in America labeled learning disabled. That mm-hmm. was in 1986. This, well, I have the statistics from 2021. 2021, there were 15 million. Okay? So either there's something really bad going on in the drinking water or whatever, and I'm being a bit facetious, or we're just over-leveling youngsters. And uh, that's why there are so many jobs in special education and not as many jobs in reading. In fact, yeah. I see jobs in the chronology of higher education. Friend, okay, I'm really not looking for a full time job, uh, but I, I, I'm just interested to see basically what what what's going on if what my former student told me last week is 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 actual uh, is actually happening. And I saw a lot of jobs talking about the, the advertisement was they wanted someone to uh, teach courses in reading uh, theoretical underpinnings reading assessment, teaching reading a content area. Don't know for qualifications it said an advanced degree in reading, special education, or any related area. Brent, that that is actually absurd. In fact I, I know still to write to write the letters, but it, it, it's, it's not worth it. I don't think at this point. But uh, if you're looking for someone to teach courses in, in reading, you need a Ph.D. in reading. Now, do I um, do I uh, cast aspersions on people in special education? No, but they're not reading specialists. And 95% of those 15 million kids in this country who are labeled learning disabled are learning disabled for one reason. This is not Cavuto. We have loads of statistics that support this. Ninety-five percent of children who are labeled learning disabled have as their primary area of deficiency reading and or writing.
0: It, it, so it's really did... sad, and you know what's even sadder, is that principals aren't trained. So they're no. doing um, observations on teachers that are teaching reading lessons, and basically they don't know what to look for. So no, no. if if the exactly. children respond and they ask a question and they answer them, they think they're doing a wonderful job, but they don't yes. do any prior knowledge. They don't do any phonics, and the most important vocabulary development before you even read the story or predicting outcomes. Nothing.
1: Exactly, exactly. And and if and it, it's impossible. It's impossible. In fact, I have to I have to try to stay calm about these things because I yeah. really uh, I I I I I really am, am so. Uh, I take this so seriously I've spent my life I devoted my life to uh my life, not all of my life, but I devoted my 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 career to to reading I've been involved in reading since nineteen seventy uh and, and I taught reading at the elementary at the secondary at the college at the post uh uh at the doctoral level and and i i I shake my head because it's just totally unfair to let somebody mm-hmm. observe when they don't have the background to observe. It, 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 when, I, when, I, I, when I watch a teacher who's doing a reading group, I'm looking at loads of things. I want to say, what is her feedback to Ms. Q? What does she do when the youngster reads the word incorrectly? Does she, does she look at the word and say, ah, that's a phonetically consistent word. I can tell the sound of that. Oh, that's not a phonetically consistent word. Let me let them skip it and go on and read the rest of the sentence because it's contextually bound? And mm-hmm. does the teacher be giving starts the lesson? Does she do that what you said? Does she does she ascertain background knowledge about the story? Does she have to make predictions? Uh, does, before she says anything, when the youngster miscues, does she have a wait time? These are all things that, oh, my goodness, you, 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 it takes a good amount of time to learn, and we ask principals, it's really unfair, but we ask them to to observe teachers doing these things Without the adequate, if I may, schema, they just don't have the schema. I, I'm sure there are many principles. Most principles are or, 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 or well intentioned, but it's unfair to ask them to do. It's like watch, asking me to, uh, uh, asking me to observe someone who is doing uh, coding, something one of my grandchildren is now learning about, and I I had to code it. He said, yeah, Pop, I've been taking this course in coding. Now, it's a little mm-hmm. embarrassed, but I, I kind of knew what it was. I couldn't. I can't observe. So I'm going to I have no clue. So you're absolutely right. Uh,
0: it, it, way, it, uh, it bothers sorry. me because But right before I retired, the day before, they, the assistant principal decided to do something really nasty. And she said, I'm going to observe you doing a reading lesson. I said, uh-huh. and your reasoning is why? Oh, because we haven't, you know, I said, you don't need to observe me. I'm a pro at what I do. We, I was doing yeah. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Uh-huh. And, and I was reading it out loud, but they had copies, and we were talking about acting it out. She said, oh, that was amazing. But in order to, uh, to be kind of really not very nice, she said, oh, there was less than it was right, and maybe you should ask us. I, I don't need to ask anybody anything. I said, so right. don't even go there. I said, I don't right. need to ask anyone anything because I'm the best in this building, and the person you're telling me to ask doesn't have a reading message or anything. I said, so don't yeah. – and I refused to sign the observation. I said, I will yeah. not sign something that you have no clue about. You're not a reading specialist, and the person that you're asking me, if said, you want me to sign that? Get rid of it. I just tore it up. Yeah. I refused. Yeah. And, I mean, it was, was just to be nasty. So we've got one more student here. We have Lydia. This was really interesting. What is her problem?
1: Okay, let me see Lydia. Me She's grade Alex. five
0: student, background knowledge.
1: Okay, just, she has a deficit in background knowledge, Lydia. Oh, yes, yeah, I see it right here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, now, Lydia is a fifth grade student with, with a significant deficit in background knowledge, correct? hmm mm-hmm. Okay. Now, again, friends, my, my point to your audience, and because uh, I know you know these things, but you point my point to your audience of uh, parents and hopefully some teachers as well, is that when you have Lydia in fifth grade and you've already ascertained that she has a fairly huge um, deficit in terms of her schemata, of uh, background knowledge. Mm-hmm. You're talking about California, and you realize that Lydia... Didn't know you asked about California because you're reading uh, a text where the, the it took place in California and Lydia wasn't sure if California was a state or a city and and little by little you came to even with that testing you came to realize that Lydia really had rather huge gaps in her background knowledge. Okay, you you did that through what we call authentic classroom-based assessment. Every time questions came up about things that really she should know, just in general, okay, mm-hmm. geography, uh, uh, math, history, she didn't know. So you you have this sense that yeah, Olivia has a uh, a, a paucity of knowledge in uh, in in her, positive of knowledge, uh, generally speaking. So uh, what is that going to do? Well, two things, Rand. That is going to make Lydia, uh, yeah, impossible, impossible Mm. to be a good reading comprehender. She can't be. When Mm. you have poor background knowledge, you cannot be a good reading comprehender. Why? Because reading involves two things. It's a transaction between the visual information on the page and, which we refer to as a print, and your, your background knowledge. You have to... Take what that which is on the page related to your background knowledge. So even if she reads the word California, even if she works, reads the word transportation, even if she reads the word uh, 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 test tube, okay, and if she decodes them accurately, fine. But she's she's most probably not going to understand them. Uh, by the way, I gave you I gave you vocabulary example, but. Yamada, background knowledge, and vocabulary go together. So to mm. be a little bit more, a little bit more succinct, succinct, which isn't easy for me, since I tend to be somewhat verbose, but I'll try. So Lydia, without doing any further testing, I know. From day one, maybe, and I won't make that judgment after just one time, but after the first week, if I have this hint that, that Lydia has huge gaps in her background knowledge, I can already predict with certainty, with certainty, friends, that Lydia is going to have poor reading comprehension. He's going to have poor listening comprehension. Mm-hmm. He's going to have poor reading vocabulary. And you know what? I'm not going to, and I, 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 just, I just know that because I have a uh, in-depth knowledge of process. However, I'm also going to make sure I, I test those areas. All right? I'll sit down with Lydia during a, a time when I have her. Maybe when the other kids go out to art or music or something, I'll, I'll steal a few minutes from those uh, those important uh, areas and, and sit down with her. And test, um, I guarantee you I will find that her receptive vocab is poor, her reading comp is poor, her listening comp, is, even her listening comp. Is, what about if you read to Lydia? It's not going to matter. All you're doing is you're, in fact, Lydia might be a student, okay, if I may, because that's one of my. Well, how is her decoding? It, I, I can't tell you. I have no idea. However, let's say it's good. It doesn't matter if it's good. She's only going to be word calling because as she yeah. calls out many many of those words, she doesn't have the the word in her kabasa in her in her, her her head in her cognition to relate it to. So that that's a big that, that's that's a huge deficit. And uh, does that mean that Lydia is – should we go to uh, a special ed diagnosis? No, uh-huh. no. What we need to do with Lydia is by knowing that. And as I said, this model is not that you, you find one area and you make definitive. You make hypotheses about the other area that you follow up on. And then I find out, my goodness, yeah, Lydia is not understanding her uh, fifth grade science book. She's not understanding the social science book. I don't have to say, well, you know what? I think Lydia has a, uh, <laughs> I don't know, uh, a, uh, an attention deficit disorder. I think I don't have to go to a, a special diagnosis. I, I, uh, I can tell in and of itself that Lydia is going to have huge problems in reading comprehension, listening comprehension, and and receptive vocabulary. So my job as her teacher is going to be to do all I can to both of those important areas. Okay. Well, and I, I have those actually case. in
0: my in my in my thing over here. I got exactly that. I'm very impressed with myself. That's exactly Good. what it says. And also, uh-huh. I'm there are probably other kids in the class that have the same problem. So when I oh, get no I, got a, I got a group of students in fifth and sixth grade that actually I was not allowed to be absent. The girls were really well-behaved, and the boys were interesting. And their Mm -hmm. reading level in sixth grade was a graph first and second when I tested them. And, yeah, yeah, it was always an experience. And I was absent one day, and I was sick. And the assistant principal called me, and he said, "Um, get downstairs because you can't be absent because no one's going to teach them to read. No one wants them. That's how difficult they were. They were so far behind That they acted out, not with me, and I'm little, Um, they'd acted out, and they they purposely, purposely got in trouble with the assistant principal. Mm -hmm. The girls, I I was hysterical laughing, the girls were in the hall crying, some of them were hiding in the closet, and the boys were, I can't even just describe what they were doing. I said, how are you going to become better readers and better learners? If you don't give somebody a chance, well, the substitute teacher ran out of the building, never to be heard from again, ever. No. The, yeah. the teachers in the the teachers on the grade. I said, so "Why don't you split them up in grade six and put them in the other classes so they could learn?" They refused to take them. I anyway, know they'll laugh right. or cry. I right. mean, I knew that they have Lydia. You know, when I had a class like group like that, I would do prior knowledge with them. I would say, "Well, if this story is about Abraham Lincoln, or this story is about whatever." I'd give them the information and talk about it so they would understand, not so uh-huh. that they could sit there and look at me and say, what is she talking about now? Right. And, right. As a, and des- despite the fact that they were all below level, they were all on grade level by the end of the year. I don't know how, but they got there. And
1: mm-hmm. they, all
0: gra- <laughs> they all graduated. It's a, it's a mm-hmm. matter of knowing. And that was just before I got my master's. This was during when I was getting it. So obviously, I learned a lot. But Lydia, Lydia is just one. Before I forget... So we have about 20 minutes left. Um, tomorrow, this is big. Douglas Preston, Lincoln Child, 12 o'clock, special time, the cabinet of Dr. Ling. They don't do interviews with anybody, but I, they're mm-hmm. doing one with me. Yeah, I'm impressed, yeah. Um, one day, I'm not sure, because the author might have to be um, on jury duty. He's not sure. On February 2nd, Marsha Casper Cook and A Good Story is A Good Story is going to interview Stephen Manchester and guess who's the co-host? You got her, me. And on f- Friday, and I never do shows on Friday, ever, uh, Isaac, Mark, uh, Isaac Wright uh, is going to, Isaac Wright Jr., I'm hoping that he can do it this time, Mark for Life, he was wrongly accused, spent 16 years in jail trying to get out, He finally defended himself, but until he got out, he spent 16 years in in a horrible situation. And now he's one of the top criminal defense attorneys dealing with people that are wrongly accused. He was supposed to be on the show at the beginning of the month, and unfortunately he got beat by the judge so that he had to be on court. So hopefully that will happen. I think we have time for one more. Jose, he's an eighth grader. I have him down as eighth grade student. With significant problems in reading comprehension, is what you wrote.
1: Okay, um, let's talk about. What was? Uh, tell me the name again. I give you.
0: Mark. Okay, it's it's Jose. He's an eighth grade student. Oh, he has significant okay. reading comprehension pro- problems.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I, I have. I have a lot of uh, that information in front of me. So I'm scanning through it. Okay. So um, uh, before I get to Jose. Uh, uh, Brian, let me just say one more last thing about uh, Okay. Uh, the youngster who had the uh, world knowledge uh, problem. Lydia, I think, yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. By the way, it, it's quite possible it's quite possible that if I were to, you know, I don't know why I would do this, but whatever, if I had Lydia read out loud in class, uh, it's mm-hmm. quite possible that she might sound beautiful. She might sound fluent. She might sound like a wonderful yeah. and and that's so sad because what, what's going to? I said, is that she's good at something—that's wonderful. But what's sad is that that kind of hides the problem, because teaching, yeah. I don't. She's such a she's such a good reader. I don't know why she's failing my test and this and that. Because because some for some bizarre reason in this country, we've come up with this ridiculous idea that good decoding equals good reading, and that's simply uh-huh. not true. Right? Okay. So as you, you, that you you know, but I, I want you to make that point. Yeah, we, can, we can't let the decoding accuracy and the decoding automaticity pull cool us. I've had so many, so many parents of kids that have but that's your He can read. He, he just can't get it. And oftentimes they come up, I think he's just lazy, and I think this is it. And that's mm-hmm. so unfortunate because when I see some of these kids, uh, they're not lazy. They, they work their tails off. They just can't get it. Okay, so getting to this... Um, Jose, who has a reading, severe reading comprehension problem, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of things, uh, what is interesting about when I find that out, I have a sense that reading is the background knowledge and receptive vocabulary may be poor, okay? I'm going to say may, the, his background knowledge and his receptive vocabulary may be problematic, His listening comprehension may also be poor. And you you hear a lot of maze with this, and I'll tell you why in a second. His decoding, to be honest with you, I can't tell you anything about that. And here's the reason why. If all I know is that when he reads, and the class reads uh, a chapter in social studies or a chapter in a novel they're reading, and... and I ask questions, Alex is in, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, Jose's in, in big trouble. He just can't answer the questions. Uh, I can rule out some of those things easily. If I just have them read out loud, I could tell him the, deco- the decoding down sounds, sounds reasonable. He's getting 90% of the words accurate. Well, it's not that, so I can't blame that. Uh, and when I, when I ask about words, I, they said, well, he had, he had, had some trials and tribulations. Anybody know what tribulation means? What trials and tribulation? Alex's hand is, uh, Jose's hand is up. I'm like, oh my goodness. So now, now, now I'm wondering, wait a minute. If his receptive vocab is good and his, his world knowledge is good, but yet he still can't comprehend, I, let me try something else. And as you said before, you were reading uh, uh, something to the to your class. Uh, you gave us an example. Let me say when I read, the class which I do uh, Mm -hmm. sometimes and let me and his listening comp his listening comprehension was as poor as his reading comprehension so I have a youngster with a reading comprehension problem good background knowledge good receptive vocab good decoding what well can I I can't blame it on attention I can't Mm -hmm. I can't go to that I would never initially do that anyway but I can't go to attention concentration, uh, mm. because the listening comp I think I mentioned was was good, right? Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. No, it was
1: poor. It was poor, okay? So I can go to that attention concentration route. Uh, and if if I have that combination friend, that that is mm. the one that I find is so often missed. I'll use the medical term, misdiagnosed and misassessed. That's one that is almost always sent to the Committee on Special Education. There must be ADD there, ADHD, okay? Uh, But I don't see that as I'm watching uh, Jose in class, okay? I don't see that at all. Uh, He seems to be attending, and bottom line is, Jose may very well be what is called a passive reader. And a passive reader is a reader who or also you you use this term a couple of times in our past talk, a word caller, okay mm-hmm. where he's reading the words, but he for some reason, has internalized the idea that reading is all about reading the words, sounding good when you read them, sounding fluent, and comprehension is very much a secondary very non-existent concern now, why would he get that idea and I'm going to give you a few possibilities. Number one, if you watch teachers in the elementary grade yep. specialist, they reward accurate decoding by almost clapping their hands. The youngster mm-hmm. reads a paragraph. He reads fluently. He changes his voice. He stops for a period. And a beautiful reading, Jose, beautiful reading. And that happens all the time. Now, uh, do, I, do I suggest that teachers don't compliment them? no. But I think it would be wise for them to say, that was beautiful decoding, Jose. Tell me about what you read. Mm -hmm. That second part, Fran, is seldom done. Of course, some teachers do it, but many don't, especially in grades one, two, three, where reading is seen as a decoding activity only. So what do we have to do with someone like Jose? In my opinion, he's a word caller, he's a passive uh, a reader, and we have to teach him active processing strategies. We have to teach Jose those uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, met, so-called metacomprehension strategy, thinking about thinking. We have to teach Jose how to, after every sentence he reads, ask himself, okay, what did I do? before he goes on to the next sentence? Mm-hmm. What did I just read? Who, what, where, when, why, okay? Ask himself those questions. If it's a, a novel or if it's science or social studies and it lends itself to visualization, we have to teach him how to visualize that which he's read. And this, the, all, all of that which I've just talked about, is not easy to do. It's not hard, but, but it takes a while. We have a youngster who has, the, he has a flawed, Theory of reading. His theory is that reading is saying words and and sounding out words, and we have to. And and sometimes I'm sorry. When he listens, he does the same thing. But in listening, you see, it's probably even more profound because in listening, we, when we ask him questions and he can't answer, those, we don't have that good that good decoding to to say. Well, he could do that though, you know. Uh, the passive reading, passive listening. <laughs> pardon me, no one is quite certain what causes them that to happen. Uh, I have so many parents say, but Dr. when I think he's just lazy. I think he doesn't care. And uh, so I'll ask, well, does he try to do his homework? Yeah, yeah, he always does his homework. Uh, he doesn't like it, but he does it. So and I have a lot of indications that this is not a, a youngster who doesn't care. I'm now in the affective domain, yeah? This is not a youngster who doesn't care. This is not a youngster who... Uh, is looking all around the room. This is a youngster who is just passively reading and passively listening. He needs active processing strategies, and they can be taught to the whole class mics, and they should be. Mm-hmm. By the way, the whole the, even even the good readers, the good readers are going to be rolling their eyes. Why? Because they do these things naturally. Good readers naturally see pictures as they read. Am I right, friend?
0: You're right. I, I found a, that kids, kids, children like Jose were the, were the norm at times. So I, mm-hmm. also, I also backtrack with their silent reading because sometimes yeah. when they read it to themselves, they hear what they're talking about, but I would tell them to read less. In other words, read the first sentence. Tell me what you read. Who are you reading about? What is the person saying? <laughs> and sometimes, I'm, of course, I was a little over the top sometimes with my reading groups, um, I would say, what do you want to read about? Pick yeah. pick a topic. They would want to read about um, sports. They wanted to read about wrestlers. They wanted to read about rap singers. And I would come up with a story that would interest them. So sometimes not only are they word callers, but they're not interested in what they're reading. It's like putting At them to the, sleep.
1: Brent, that, and, that's and, an and, excellent point. That's an excellent point. But, but you, this, what's interesting about the point you just made, and it, it really is, of being... It really is about being uh, just a sweetheart yet. When when we read about when passive readers mm-hmm. read or listen about that which they are inherently interested in, they because they have good world knowledge and good receptive vocabulary about that area, good schema about that area, they're able to compensate for 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 their passive. They're not no they're no longer passive. You see, they actually mm-hmm. they, they can answer those questions without even reading the text do you think uh because they have that background knowledge that's why you're right silent by having them read silent like okay uh, and, and again I, I, I i'm convinced we do way way too much more reading at school you and I both are uh, mm-hmm. uh, proponents of Edmund but point that uh all reading to a certain extent should be minimal beyond the second or third grade. But uh, yeah, absolutely. That uh, the Jose, if he reads something he's interested in, if you can mm. find things he's interested in. But parents, when they tell me that, but to little, he understands stuff he reads in his, you know, about it. He he's captain of the football team, and he reads stuff about the plays and and the, yeah. and things about football. And and I explain to them that's exactly that's and that's wonderful. But, unfortunately, in school, as we both know, and as I say to the parents, they don't ask you, Jose, what would, what are you interested in learning about today? <laughs> Oftentimes, they said, most of all the time, there's a set curriculum that they have to learn. That doesn't mean that we don't capitalize on those interests, as you mm-hmm. rightfully said, by, make, by giving them things that they are interested in, to read at home, to read for fun, to read during... Sustained silent reading in schools, absolutely. But we have to teach Jose how to read actively. We have to teach yeah. him how to yeah. ask himself some questions, how to make pictures in his head, etc., etc. If I may, if I may, I have to just tell you this one vignette. I, for 38 years, uh, when I had my private uh, reading learning center, I would, when I first started, I would go through a rapport session with the youngster, and I would ask him about uh, mom and dad, what kind of work they do, and uh, what what, what he likes to do for fun or she likes to do for fun, Mm -hmm. and then I finally get to school things. And, and I would ask them, oh, reading. how's your reading? And, and maybe, maybe I did that for six months and I had more than a few kids say to me, look me right in the eye and say, put their hands up and say, well, why do you think I'm here? <laughs> and, and I realized what a stupid question to ask them. I mean, you know, so then instead of asking that question, friend, I switched. I said, let me ask you something. When it comes to reading, which mm-hmm. of these two things give you more trouble? Figuring out the words, reading the words, or remembering and understanding that which you read. And Fran, I have to tell you something. I would say, I would say I should have kept some statistics on this, but this is going to be fairly accurate. I was going to say nine out of ten kids knew exactly what their problem was. I had, in fact, I had one kid that said to me, uh, "Just like this, this kid was a piece of work. He's adorable." Maybe fourth grade, third grade. Uh, Say that again. I said, Joseph, which gives you more trouble, reading the words or remembering and understanding that which you've read? I said, well, I can't get the words. How can I possibly understand what I've read? <laughs> <laughs> is that, is well, that yeah, beautiful? We, and I, I said, we're going to yeah, we're gonna have to schedule
0: right. the rest at another day, unfortunately. Okay. Of um, course,
1: um, I understand.
0: Basically, that's probably why. Yeah, I think the greatest compliment... I had, and this was, this is a true story, um, my reading group, I had tough fifth graders, and I taught fifth grade reading groups, and they never complained about coming down, because I have a sense of humor, you got to have one, and of this reading group came down, and the teacher came down and said, they're suspended from reading, and I looked at her, you can't do that, this is mandated by the state, you cannot tell my, ba- my angels that they can't stay, she said, right. well, they can't because they walked out of class and they're in trouble. I said, well, if they're oh, in boy. trouble with you, they're not in trouble with me. System principal came by. I said, what do I do? And, the, and unfortunately, Baha, the State Department was coming to monitor and got right. on that one. And the kids walked yeah. in. I was hysterical laughing. They looked at me. They said, do you really think that we're going to let you have a free period? I go, oh, shucks, is that what this is about? You wanted to torture me for another paper? i I laughed so hard, but I was so complimented because they actually walked out of the classroom and said, we don't care if we get double homework for a week, but we're not missing this one. Actually, yeah. because the lesson was on Goldberg, the wrestler. You didn't think they were going to want to miss that either. So cool. let me look at my schedule, which which is completely nuts. Um, can you do one on April 13th at 10?
1: What day of the week is that, friend?
0: It's a Thursday.
1: Oh, one sec.
0: It's a Thursday, April thirteenth. Uh, I can. not You can? Okay, yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that in there. And we we will talk about the other students that are on the list that yeah, we didn't we do. Questions.
1: We had quite a few um, to talk about, but I think we've covered some bases, and I hope that uh, your audience uh, learned something, the parents uh, uh, especially, and the teachers who may or may not know these things, but but they also, uh, I think, uh, I I hope that uh, they take something from this talk. And thank you so much.
0: You're very welcome, and um, look over the the students. Tell me which ones you want to do, and if there's any other talking points, let me know, and you know I'm going to do my research. Okay, you so everyone, do,
1: it's you a beautiful day Take outside.
0: Care. Actually, the sun is shining. I can't believe it. And happy birthday, Robbie, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you, Dr. Cavuto. Everybody have a great day, and bye. Bye.